Support for The Real Pink Podcast comes from Merck. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Welcome to the Komen Health Equity Revolution podcast series. Each month, we invite in patients, community organizers, healthcare partners, researchers, and policy advocates to discuss strategies and solutions that drive the health equity revolution forward for multiple populations experiencing breast health inequities. Breast cancer screening and early detection play an important role in your health. Screening tests can help detect breast cancer at an early stage when the chances of survival are highest. In this episode, we'll dive into the importance of screening and how that can help with early detection. As a part of this conversation, we'll also discuss why genetic counseling and testing is so important, along with the importance of having discussions about family health history, especially in Black families. Joining us for this discussion is Sharon Anderson, who is living with metastatic inflammatory breast cancer. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you. appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you and your story. Tell us about how you came to be diagnosed. And I, and I understand that uh, maybe you found out what it was by accident. So maybe you could, you could tell us that story as well. Yes, I was at work and um, I was having heart palpitations. And I, you know, occasionally I used to get those. So I went to the emergency room. They did a series of tests on me and they decided to admit me. Um, the next day they did more tests on me. My uh, heart palpitations, you know, resolved. So they discharged me and told me to follow up with my cardiologist. So I let, you know, my doctor know, you know, that I was in an emergency room and I had heart palpitations. So she wanted to see my records. She asked me to bring my records in before she did any uh, surgery. I brought my records in from the emergency room and she called me in and she said, did they tell you anything? I said, yes. They told me to follow up with my cardiologist. She goes, no, did they, um, it says here in, in their records, you have a enlarged lip node. I didn't know what that meant, you know? And she said, well, you know, you need to get checked out further before we can do anything. I went to my doctor to get an exam and I told him what happened at the emergency room. And um, I went ahead and brought those documents with me. He did some tests and uh, he started doing a breast exam. And he asked me, he said, have you felt any lumps or bumps? I said, no, I haven't. And he said, well, I didn't feel anything, but you have a small rash under the left breast. He said, it, has it been bothering you? Or anything? I said, honestly, I said, I didn't know it was there. The rash was really small and it was in a crease of my left breast. And I'm a pretty busty person. It was just the size of my, like my thumbnail. He said, well, I'm going to go ahead and send you to get a mammogram. So I went to get the mammogram came back to get the results read. He said, well, I see something, you know, but it doesn't look consistent with breast cancer, but I'm gonna go ahead and send you to get an ultrasound. So I went to get the ultrasound and he said, well, I see something suspicious, so I need to send you to get a biopsy. When they were doing the ultrasound, I knew something was wrong because, you know, the young lady was calling in the radiologist to look at the screen and, you know, telling her to you know, run it different places in my body. And, you know, I was like, something's wrong. So when I went to get my biopsy, they were doing a biopsy and, you know, the nurse said, can I pray for you? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> when I 
scheduled to visit my doctor to get the results read, you know, to me bring a family member, you know, that's a sign there. So my husband and I went, mm-hmm. he said, um, well, you have breast cancer. And um, I was like, breast cancer, you know, you know, I didn't feel anything. I felt fine. And I felt fine the day that I had the uh, heart palpitations when it resolved. I had felt fine since that day. So he uh, referred me to an oncologist at that point. The oncologist did a series of tests with the biopsies. And um, he said, he called us in and he told me I was in stage four. And I was de novo metastatic, which means you're metastatic from the beginning. Some people may have cancer one year, then three years later, they may have cancer that spread, which is metastatic. Mine was de novo metastatic because at that time I had it in the left and right side of my neck, the left and right side of my collarbone, left armpit, right armpit through 36 lymph nodes and the left breast. I was devastated because when he said I was stage four, I didn't understand that kind of cancer. I'm walking around feeling fine. I didn't understand, you know, and I, I really didn't, couldn't believe what I perceive as a stage four. The TV always shows somebody with a bald head, you know, really sick. They, they really look like they're dying tomorrow, you know, and that's what we used to see on commercials sometimes when they uh, talk about treatment. And I was just, Feeling fine and didn't have any lumps or bumps or anything like that, so it was kind of confusing. Mm, yeah, I can I can only imagine. Wow, I mean that's that's quite the journey too. I mean, especially like not necessarily being told what's happening and, and a, a nurse asking to pray for you and yes. a doctor telling you to bring a family member in like that. That's just got to be incredibly foreboding um, yes. and, and difficult to go through. Now, what was I mean? What was the time frame of that? Like, like from start to finish, you know, from when your surgery was scheduled to sort of when you were diagnosed, what was that time frame like? I was uh, diagnosed in, um, actually, I'm 10 years this year, since my mm-hmm. original diagnosis. You know, when I went to the first oncologist, when he said I had uh, de novo metastatic and inflammatory breast cancer, he asked me if I, did I want to, uh, him to treat me? Since I live in Houston, Texas, we have MD Anderson Cancer Center, and they're the best. And uh, so I said, I prefer to get you at MD Anderson. And he said, well, you know, I'll help you get in at MD Anderson. So it was, uh, um, I didn't show any true signs of the inflammatory breast cancer until later on. After they did a mammogram, it did trigger some of the side effects of the uh, inflammatory breast cancer. My left breast started to get big. It was probably about uh, two weeks before started treatment, started seeing doctors at MD Anderson. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. And and talk a little bit, you know, so you went through quite a process, like with, with a lot of different steps, a lot of different tests along the way. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you advocated for yourself sort of during that process. Like how, how did that work? Did you have to push hard to get the right tests or did it, did it sort of come more easily? You know, that sort of thing. I can truly say I, I was, I did not advocate for myself. Um, Because a lot of cancer patients, when they first get diagnosed, they don't know a lot about cancer. And I was one of those people. I didn't know a lot about cancer. I didn't know anybody personally that had cancer. And um, I was getting my mammograms regularly. But um, uh, the year prior, I missed my mammogram. I had to reschedule because of work conflict. And I never did go back that year. And so um, that's one way I 
tell people to advocate for themselves and make sure you get your mammograms. And, uh, it, you know, it can, you can go from nothing to stage four like I did. Well, yeah, and let's talk more about the mammograms, right? So um, obviously we want people to get screened. Can you talk a little bit about why mammograms are so important and, and why they're so important, especially for black women? In the African-American community, I find that we don't get exams, mammograms. Number one, not enough income, no insurance, underinsured. You may live in a rural area where you don't have access to transportation to uh, appointments as well. There's a lot of barriers that that come into place in the African-American community. Also, in my community, they're taught not to talk about things. And it makes it kind of hard. And that's one thing I encourage is uh, talk to your children, talk to your family about your diagnosis because it may help them. Because, you know, like I said, I didn't know anybody. Uh, well, I, I knew one. I had an uncle, but he smoked since he was young and he had lung cancer. So in my head, that was like, you know, mm. probably going to happen. But anything other than that, no one talked about illness. They kept it to themselves. And that's how. We were raised, you know, keep it to yourself. You don't know what somebody had in my community until they actually die, you know. And mm-hmm. so you don't get that information and that uh, medical history from them. So I encourage people to speak about it. And it helps you advocate for yourself because I would be mm-hmm. able to tell my doctor, you know, I have a history of cancer and they'll, that helps with the treatment plan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, so, so you said you had a, an uncle that had cancer. So was there was there no other history of breast cancer in your family? I wasn't aware of anything until actually, you know, this is strange. I have a first cousin. She has cancer and she has been metastatic since, you know, for like 22 years. So mm-hmm. she's survived the odds of cancer. When I was diagnosed, my aunt called me and uh, or my, my father's sister. And um, she said, told me, she goes, well, you have a cousin that has uh, breast cancer, a first cousin. And my father was in the military, so I wasn't raised with my cousin. So um, we knew of each other, but we didn't. We never met. Mm. And this is strange because she's a strong advocate. Her name is Talisa Shepard. She's a very strong advocate advocate in the cancer community. So I was able to talk to her and ask her questions. Uh, it that helped a lot when you have somebody that has been through it, and know about treatments, and um, this could help you manage things along the way because it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd imagine, I imagine being able to have a family member that can help you with that is, is gotta be really meaningful too. So then, so how, how, is, how has your experience now affected how you talk about it among your family? Do you, do you talk more, more openly among more people? Like how's that working? I've learned to talk more because I was originally diagnosed in 2013 and I had a reoccurrence in 2015 to my spine. You know, I used to work for the postal service for 19 years. So I had back pains already, but I had the uh, pain was more and it was unusual than the norm. And and I remember my oncologist telling me if you have any pains or, or certain things, they would tell you, you know, let just let them know and they'll yeah. decide. So I sent her a message letting her know I was having these uh, back pains. It's more than a lot more than normal. So she called, she called me in and um, they did a biopsy of my spine the cancer had returned. And so at that point, I learned to, um, you advocate for yourself because I listened to what they said and I followed through. And that's another thing I like to encourage cancer patients. 
when you've already been through cancer once, listen to your body. Listen mm-hmm. to your body. Because with mm-hmm. inflammatory breast cancer that I have, there's no signs and no symptoms. So I have to go in every three months to MD Anderson to get a, a CT scan, a body scan. And um, I have to really pay attention to my body. I learned mm-hmm. to just do that. And that's part of yeah. my advocacy is, um, you know, uh, teaching people, pay attention to your body. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's so important. Know what's normal for you. Know yeah. and, and and take the time to recognize what's not normal for you. That's so so important. So uh, so have you had uh, genetic counseling and testing done? And if so, what was that experience like? I had the the counseling, and I didn't have the record genes in genetic counseling. And that's something I encourage people to do because you know you have if you have girls, boys, because people don't know that men get breast cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's right. We have a lot of men that get breast cancer. People, you know, men need to be aware of that as well. Genetic testing is, is is something that you need to do to know if your children are at risk. And um, mm-hmm. so they can be their own advocate and listen to their bodies as well. Yeah, absolutely. So important. So uh, so I'm wondering, like, so, so we've talked about the importance of, of Black families discussing their family health history. Um, is there anything else you'd encourage family members to do kind of in light of your own experience, any, any ways that you would encourage them to share or things you'd encourage them to share? Um, yes, I think communication is key and it's a must. Um, even if you have treatment, you know, communicate that to your family as well. Because the one thing that may work for you or may not work for you may work for them. And uh, on my second bout with cancer in the spine, I was uh, treated with this. I was supposed to have six cycles of uh, this treatment. Um, it gave me severe neuropathy in my hands and my feet. And I, at that point, I couldn't walk. I had to use a wheelchair and I couldn't lay down because it would trigger the pain in my feet. And it's similar to um, uh, nerve pain that a diabetic would experience. It was really bad. So I communicate with my doctor because my quality of life was gone at that point because I was just sitting in a recliner. My husband found, he Googled some things online and he found that putting your feet in ice uh, will calm that nerve pain. And so um, that's what I did. You know, I would sit there, put my feet in ice and it would calm it for a little bit, but then your feet would get cold. You have to take it out. Then here's your triggering pain. So we stopped. Um, I talked to my oncologist and told her I couldn't do that anymore. It was it was getting worse. The neuropathy was getting worse and and affecting my quality of life. And so we stopped at four cycles of the treatment. Um, Mm -hmm. I do have a little bit of cancer in my spine today and um, they just watch it. It's just it hasn't moved, hasn't spread. Some people can understand that um, you can communicate with your doctor and try something else and Mm -hmm. uh, still be okay. That's good. That's good. That's good advice. And I'm glad, again, you're able to listen to your body know yourself, know what you needed and be able to communicate and work out those details with your doctor. It's just so important. So if someone's listening to this episode and needs to schedule a breast cancer screening, where should they go for help? If they don't, don't know what the next step is, what, what should they do? Susan G. Coleman has, uh, you know, Coleman.org. You can go to that website and, um, they have all types of information there that can help you with uh, finding a place to get your mammogram. They have mobile units that they deploy that go out to certain areas and, and you can get, tr- you know, yeah. get tested that way as well. That's one way you can, you can um, get tested. 
<laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. It's a great resource at Komen.org. And I, I would also mention uh, there's a breast care helpline at one eight seven seven go komen That's one eight seven seven go komen just to make sure everybody heard us there. So uh, Sharon, this is great. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story and uh, and just the importance of testing, the importance of advocating for yourself and the importance of sharing family health history. Do you have any any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap up? If you're going through cancer, it's uh, sometimes it's helpful to join a community. Uh, Coleman has, a, a, not only do they have the hotline, they have support groups that can help you, you know, go through this journey because it can get pretty tough and you sometimes you feel alone, but you're not alone. There's a lot of resources on the Coleman website for uh, financial help, just advice, advocates you can speak to. They can match you up with somebody who has similar cancer and can help you through that journey. But it's important to get involved with, with a network. And uh, that helps when I'm, when I advocate, that really helps with my journey because it, you know, you don't want to sit around the house thinking about cancer and matching it with death. I have stage four cancer. I don't look at that as death or just a number and you can continue to live. And sometimes your attitude has something to do with your, um, helps with your, your progress with your treatment. Again, Coleman, one eight seven seven go Coleman, and talk to somebody. That's it. That's right. One eight seven seven go Coleman and talk to somebody. That's fantastic advice for us to end on. Uh, Sharon, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining another episode of the Komen Health Equity Revolution podcast series. We will continue to galvanize the breast cancer community to support multiple populations experiencing breast health inequities to advance and achieve breast health equity for all. To learn more about health equity at Komen, please visit komen.org forward slash health equity. Thanks to Merck for supporting the Real Pink Podcast. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.